the intimate sentiments of an electronic music producer. The poetic pondering of a masterful songwriter and the melancholy musings of one of music's most cherished composers. You're listening to Themes and Variation. Themes and Variation is a podcast about music and perspectives brought to you by the online music school, Soundfly. I'm your host, Carter Lee. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Themes and Variation. We've got a very cozy episode for you today as we're breaking down three tracks that our panel feels are perfect for a rainy day. So settle in for a very chill episode, whether it's raining where you are or not. And joining me on this deep dive into some perfect rainy day tracks is, of course, my frequent co-host, Mahaya Lee, and musician, producer, and educator, Ewan Gray. Ewan is a very accomplished saxophonist, singer, guitarist, and producer originally from Australia. He currently resides in Cambodia, where he also heads up the amazing program, The Sound Initiative. It's a nonprofit organization committed to the development of the music industry in Cambodia. We get into all kinds of things on this episode, like who sounds sadder, James Blake or Tom York, the 12-tone mission of Paul Simon, and we touch on the idea of drone polyphony. So without further ado, let's get into the episode, Rainy Day Songs. Folks, another themes and variation coming at you. Joining me, of course, is my co-host, Mahaya Lee. Mahaya, how you doing? I'm doing well, Carter. How are you? I am great. In part, because joining us is Mr. <laughs> Ewan Gray. Ewan, how you doing, man? I'm really well. Thanks so much for inviting me, guys. I'm so stoked. Uh, you know, got to meet you a little bit through, I mean, through Carrie Herbert, our, uh, a guest of ours previously on the podcast, and through all the amazing uh, work you're doing with the Sound Initiative and just getting to know you a little bit. Dude, I, I felt like we absolutely had to have you on the show. And today we're talking about rainy day songs. Real quick, Ewan, you're, you're out in Cambodia. Is it raining currently right now? You know, this idea of you know the romanticism of the rainy days is not that actually not not that applicable to cambodia of course right. i remember it from my my days in australia but in in cambodia a rainy day is like a build up of humidity that kind of coalesces into this like dramatic downpour so you know a rainy day here is more like a a release of tension rather than some as kind of slow settling feeling of a uh, of a rainy day and you know in a colder climate do you miss that absolutely yeah i miss i miss cooler climate it's unreasonably hot every day here um but it's it's the the weather is mitigated by the uh, amazing people and the amazing culture and the amazing things that yeah. you know i get to do here so I need to steal that description of the buildup and the rainy day buildup in Cambodia for, I think, my track. I think that'll fit the uh, the actual um, movement of the piece. But uh, Mejia, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that I feel like there's something really inspiring and motivating. Like you simultaneously want to yeah. just snuggle up in a blanket and do something incredibly productive on a rainy day. <laughs> I, I did want to ask, yeah, Mejia, you touched on this, but like how, how does the rainy day affect your creativity? 
to me, like a rainy day is, is, you know, there's a reality to a rainy day, like an actual rainy day, which, as I said, I don't really get to experience that much. But there's the, like the metaphor of a rainy day. Right. It's almost like a permission to um, go internal. Like, you know, you can't control the weather, so you're forced to kind of go into yourself and, and have, a, have a look around. That process of going internal and being in- introspective is the landscape of songwriting. Yeah, totally. I am. Uh, I'm ready to dive in to some music, yeah. though, guys. Let, let's let's have a listen to our first track and get right into it. listening to james blake's track retrograde from the 2013 release overgrown this this record actually i didn't realize this was nominated for or had james blake nominated for uh best new artist at the grammys that year um on a rainy day i'm gonna seek out a sad sounding track there is no one that sounds sadder than than james blake honestly (laughs) like he just has that that quality. I might raise you Tom York on that one, but yeah. <laughs> well, certainly Tom. They both could use a hug, use I a think, hug. at at some point in performances. But more on just why this. I think this track fits for the rainy day. I I want to listen to stuff that that makes me want to feel productive and make my own stuff. And I think that you know we'll talk about the production a little bit, but this track. And the way that it it's delivered feels attainable. I think if you've made music on your own just a little bit, and certainly James Blake, I think being the champion of the like DIY bedroom producer when at least when he started, there. I mean, I can't sing like <laughs> him ever, and I never will, and I don't think many people can. But there is something that feels attainable about the mm. simplicity of the track. The groove is a mm-hmm. kick and mm-hmm. a clap, and that's it. You said you were going to talk about harmony later, so I won't I won't um, go too deep. But you know, I was trying to just see what the chords were, and you know, it's so open. You know, it's not like chord, chord, chord. You know, you can hear the harmony in. I can hear it kind of going from minor to major in, in its own way, and it's sort of like tricking you into these false feelings of um, being, you know, complex and sad, and then uplifting, and you know, but but it's that cyclical nature of it which is sort of reinforced by the the really simple loop like uh of the drums that kind of lulls you into this space of reflection you know 100 percent. i i don't <laughs> let's not bury the lead on the harmony let's jump let's jump even right into it there are a couple i think different ways to look at it the way i looked at it was it it's in g minor but that one chord is a big old g major <laughs> triad and that, that's our first chord that we get which when you and I, I sat down and transcribed that that opening vocal line, there is a B flat right at the very top of it. So it's like a G minor line over top of that G major triad. The moment that gets me every time is just the descending B 
space movement. And I think he's one of my favorite artists, just like blending very artistic production ideas. Uh, and I think why he's able to do that is because he's he's producing and writing for his own voice. He knows what his own limitations are going to be. He knows how to frame uh, the, the artist's voice, which is also himself, better than anybody else on the planet. And I think if you work really closely with the singer, you can get to that. But when you're one in the same, that's there's something so beautiful about that where you're able to like sink in and see maybe down the road this is where I can go with this track. And even as you were saying earlier, like uh, I can't I can't remember even the word you used, but like how heavily mixed like that synth, how boldly mixed maybe that that synth is. Like yeah, that that's certainly a pretty pretty powerful yeah. decision to like we take the cutoff and just roll it <laughs> wide open for like this extended period yeah. of time suddenly i'm hidden it's the darkness of the dawn and your friends are gone and your friends won't come so show me where you fit i'm pretty sure the prophet eight is his go-to synth some of my favorite synth work the wilhelm scream yeah Uh, I never learned to share. Rainy day song. I want it to to have its own world and atmosphere to it, but also allow the rain to kind of also like the actual rain to kind of play a part. You know, like because the song starts so sparingly. If you were listening to the in the rain, it would it would absolutely just kind of be part of the backdrop until this big synth drop and then it takes over and then the track kind of becomes more subdued again at the end and then kind of gives itself back over to the rain um we talked about the simplicity in the groove i just think that for me too the thing that's really inspiring about it that side of production is is the thing that i personally struggle with more than anything is like okay it's time to make a groove you know, maybe I'm in Logic and I've I've built all these kits and Ultra Beat and found sounds and all kinds of stuff, but I can never quite make it do what I really hear in my head. So to hear a track like this, it's just like kick yeah. and clap, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's it. Is awesome, but that also allows him to be uh, loose but deliberate. I think with his performance, mm-hmm. um, both on mm-hmm. the keys and vocally, he's got this grid that he's playing around. And he's, he kind of uh, tugs and pushes on the on the um, the elasticity, I think, of the rhythm and the pulse. I've been dying to talk about James Blake um, at length, not even just on the podcast, just like. You know, maybe to myself or whatever. I'll talk about James Blake with you. I've had to. I'll talk about James Blake with you, Carly. James James Blank. (laughs) It's like a Chet Faker thing. (laughs) It's a guy doing a James James Blank Blank. thing. Maybe it's me. Maybe I've got a secret producer life. There's somebody listening to this that just got their new artist in for sure. 
Yeah, James Blank. <laughs> um, that's all I have on on retrograde. Any any final thoughts from either of you? I, only that like that thing that he does at the um, at the start, the little riff. It sounds like something he's just totally recorded once, and just found again and and kept it in. You know, like it doesn't sound like he's performing mm-hmm. that. It sounds like he's you know just jamming you know absolutely really cool like on the performance front when he does this track he loops that first line um with the kick and the clap and then just Mm. plays it throughout and it it does it Uh. i think there's very small moments where that that part drops out when the synth takes over and it could just be that the synth is drowning it out Mm -hmm. um but it is cool like looping artists i'm always so impressed by i mean there's so many incredible julie easterling comes to mind Mm -hmm. kimbra comes to mind of course and uh that like if you (laughs) if you mess up one part of it throughout the entire performance it's like like the if it's the first thing that you loop that's not a big deal because you just redo it, right? And that happens. But if it's like the the eighth thing that you're looping on top of yeah. all this other stuff, just, yeah. um, really, really, really cool and, and uh, challenging. Um, I was going to ask you, though, Carter, Rainy Day song can mean so many different things. If this song was like in a rainy scene in a movie, what other kind of things are happening for you? <laughs> well, uh, certainly... I was I was gonna say well there's an umbrella but like, I mean, there's not always an umbrella so that's a good start. It, I mean I so so simple. Well there's an umbrella but there I, I see. Uh, okay I'm just let me let me paint a picture yeah, for it, which please, I'm I'm so I'm bad at this but certainly in a city probably New York or London I've never been to London so I have to I have to say it's it's probably New York pouring rain. There's a trench coat involved again. Uh-huh. I'm talking about like such what year rain-focused it? fashion. Because um, you, you're describing something that sounds. I want to picture. I want to say like the '60s, like old or '60s, '70s, okay. old New York before it got like totally, truly scummy through the '80s and '90s, like through Times Square and, and Midtown, and all that stuff. But like, uh, but then the song doesn't fit that vibe, right? So sure. I think it could be present, present day New York. It's raining. You know, just a, a gentleman walking down the street, and and it's dark. And oh, what is he up to? I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea what he's up things. to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A da- like a James Dean type. You know, just walking mm-hmm. down, trench coat, umbrella, scarf. Um, that you know, dude. I maybe smoking a cigarette. Mm-hmm. That's and then he crosses the street, and this, uh, this like synth train just comes and. <laughs> <laughs> synth train. Yeah, synth that's, yeah, that's true. A, <laughs> a truck the delivering first album from um, James Blank. James Blank, yeah. James Blank synth, synth train. train. I think we <laughs> we <laughs> have created it. an artist that that was the perfect perfect picture to paint. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, with that, let's uh, let's move on to our second track mm-hmm. uh, of the day. <laughs> I met my old lover on the street last night She seemed so glad to see me I just smiled And we talked about some old times And we drank ourselves some beers Still crazy after all these years Oh, still crazy And what are we listening to, my man? 
I've been a Paul Simon fan for a long time. I was first introduced to him from a compilation album that my my dad had. So uh, this this song is from a self the the an album with the same title as the song. Still crazy after all these years. But the the album title of this compilation album was Negotiations and Love Songs. I think it was like a really late release compilation, and uh, I was so it's such a lovely title to ruminate yeah. on you know yeah. this idea of um, songs as negotiations with lovers or with the self it's just so rich it actually comes from another of his songs train in the distance negotiations and love songs are often mistaken for one and the same but yeah just staying on titles um I read that Paul Simon discovered this title getting into the shower one day. It just came to him. He couldn't believe that it wasn't already a common phrase. Um, like, it mm. just sounds like something yeah. that people have said for hundreds of years, you know. Yeah. You know what they say, still crazy after all these, all these years. <laughs> but but yeah. and he couldn't believe that he actually made it up. And he, and he said it really related to how he was feeling at that time, but it wasn't something that he was proud of. Um, and, and so mm. he, he kind of, I don't know, I'm putting words into his mouth, which is, which is great being <laughs> one of the, one of the <laughs> world's <him> greatest <laughs> lyricists. I'll put some words in his uh, mouth. Um, he, felt, <laughs> he could use them. <laughs> this was in an interview, so he was talking about it. He said something like he had to make the song anyway, despite not being very proud of the, the sentiment, you know, um, or about what it, meant about his state of mind um but yeah what a title i think it's like it's got a whole story already in it before you listen to the story of the song it starts with this like wandering noodling roads um which is so peaceful and so warm you know yeah. and um, perfect rainy day vibe, oh uh, yeah roads with some tremolo like yeah. You, yeah you can't you can't beat that And it, it sounds like you're just settling into something. And in fact, if you look at mm -hmm. the chords, he, he, he's starting in the key of A and very quickly modulating to G. And the song yep. does that a lot throughout the whole time. But you kind of, you're, you're never quite settled into a key before it, it's changing, you know. And so for me, this song is like, it's really unstable song. It's kind of not, it's, it's, it flips between being really soothing and being a little something dangerous in there as well. But anyway, we start yeah. we start with soothing, um, uh, and it's such a simple kind of almost like a you know folky kind of lyric. Um, I met my old lover on the street last night. She seemed so glad to see me. I just smiled. You know, it's it's very just reflective, and he seems so settled and uh, uh, kind of resigned to you know any past regrets and everything. And um, you know, he he goes home. He he's sort of I'm not the kind of man who tends to socialize. He's kind of, you get this picture of this sort of lonely aging man, maybe. Um, uh, mm. Jaded a bit, cynical, you know. And then it kind of goes into this territory and the bridge for me is just so, so amazing. Far in the morning, crap. 
he kind of revealed his songwriting a little bit in this part, and, and it's it's actually not very um, uh, romantic in the sense that he's expressing his emotions. He, he he said he wanted to use all twelve notes in the melody, and and that's, that's awesome. where this bridge came from, <laughs> you know. So so it's something that's so technical, and he's like that, you know. He comes across sometimes as like mm. emotionally disengaged and. And um, and kind of technical in his in his writing, but like it's just he's just so lyrically poetic and so calming yeah. in his voice. It's still so authentic, you know. I just love the idea of him like, all right, I've got a I've got a verse and a chorus. Come on, Paul, you got six more notes. You got to get in here, <laughs> yeah, man. Exactly. You got you got to figure yeah. it out. And uh, like, we're like that bridge is. I mean, too, but like the the flute licks throughout oh, the. Yeah. I don't know who yeah. this, this entire it's, record is like a who's who of of session players. Richard T plays keys later on the record. Toots Thielman plays harmonica later on this track. Though you have Michael Brecker crushing Michael it on Brecker. the saxophone. Yeah. This solo is such an understated solo for for Michael Brecker, you know, yeah. and and I'm not ashamed to say that that was the moment that I that brought tears to my eyes, and yeah. it's so unexpected really? because I, I'm a sax player. I'm I'm like I'm 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 resistant to certain things. I'm not I'm not not moved by um by a couple of notes here and there, but this time, you know, whoa, <laughs> and I, and I think it's it's like the device of 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 how it's put how it's led up to is is it just mm-hmm. sent me there like the bridge like it, it it modulates to a and then we were led through all these like chord changes he said he got the idea he stole it from he said from uh jobim some stuff he learned from jobim oh, that's wow. where he got yeah. all the notes yeah, yeah. all those all those extra notes from <laughs> but then it settles <laughs> it settles into um into like a vamp And it and it's just sort of just vamping on A minor, and you're kind of brooding. Something like's coming, something dark. He's, he's you know, and then mm-hmm. what comes but this just like hopeful, you know, strident um, sax solo in major. So it goes from minor into major for this for this mm-hmm. solo, and and it's unapologetic about it. And um, yeah, it was mm-hmm. just such a re- release and a relief for that song. And in, 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 yeah. at that moment, and, and I've kind of like latched onto it now, is it like f- for me in the story, it kind of represents this character's like still got some hope and some, you know, some positivity left and some like some youthful spirit. You know, he's not in fact um, jaded. He's still sentimental. And, you know, mm. and that that was a really nice moment. And, and, as, and you, as soon as you're kind of, enjoying that that um feeling and that release it goes back to where it started and in the chill um kind of you know um reflective state for the final verse still crazy after all. 
I, I read an article about Paul Simon's music, and the author was Walter Everett, and he said the ending of this song is an unwarranted, swaggering self-confidence that seems oblivious to its lack of moorings, both psychological and tonal. <laughs> it's brutal. I, lo- it's yeah, I love brutal <laughs> takedowns like that that are so like elegantly worded. I was like, wow, well, dude. Have like, to be. Yeah, but that... Like, especially if it's Paul Simon, I feel like... You're not doing yourself any favors. Hey, you're not doing yourself any favors to criticize it for the most part. But if you're gonna do it, you have to try your yeah. best to outward him. <laughs> Such a, a a perfect choice. Uh, I think a song that yeah. offers t- it's very nostalgic track, but also offers so many moments for your own reflection and and things like that as a mm. listener. Uh, mm. Any any final thoughts, Ian? Before I don't, I want to make sure we cover everything on the track that you wanted to to get to. Just for me, it's like it's, it's just a really redemptive song. Like it's it's yeah. like you're left mm. feeling, you know, this character and the, you know me in in my own imagination because you're going to put yourself in there somewhere. You're left feeling like oh, there's still there's still room for um, you know sentimentality and 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 sort mm-hmm. of hope. Um, which is, you know, might you, what you might what, wish for from a rainy day. So, Mejia, what are we listening to? We are listening to Chopin's Prelude in D-flat major, um, opus 28, number 15, nicknamed the Raindrop Prelude. So a little on the nose. <laughs> uh, yeah, is this a piece either of you had heard before? I'm sure I have, but I I couldn't place the name or, or anything when when you shared the track and then in listening to it, I was like, oh yeah, I remember it. But I feel like I, I mostly remember it in moments and snippets. I I couldn't remember the piece in its totality, um, mm. which I probably have that a lot with like solo piano performances or, or pieces, but right. Um, you and had you have you ever heard this one before to your knowledge? No, not consciously, but it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. It's super, super emotive. Um, this is a prelude. Um, I think Chopin's preludes and nocturnes are really great because they're like deceptively simple. Like learning the actual notes and stuff. It's not that they're easy because they're not. I would spend months with this, I think, before I felt good about how I played it. But like being able to take those notes. <laughs> on a page and turn them into something expressive and beautiful like in this performance find the space and breathe into it in a way that is connected Mm. this isn't just notes um his music allows for that in a way that some other classical music really doesn't like chopin and debussy are probably my two favorite classical Mm -hmm. composers um for that reason it's like poetry but in the form of notes <laughs> mm. uh and chopin you know primarily wrote for solo piano this song though sounds like the rain <laughs> <laughs> which is i think how it got its nickname there's um a constant pedaled note that happens throughout this entire song So if you listen, that's the same note, right? Mm -hmm. In that middle voice. Wow. This song happens in two keys. (laughs) In ink, they look further related than they actually are. 
Um, we start out in D flat major. Well, lots of like theory talk in this episode. I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, we start out in it. D flat major. <laughs> and, all right. uh, and then in measure 28, we moved to C sharp minor, which this morning when I woke up and looked at it, I was like, oh, the, like that's such a weird distant modulation. And then I thought about it. I was like, no, C sharp is D flat. So yeah. <laughs> that's actually yeah. a very simple modulation. Hey, <laughs> There's just something about like, I don't know, like Do you guys play different instruments than me. Is it easier for you to think in terms of flats or sharps? Like, do you have a preference? It's like on a fretboard, it doesn't matter because visually it, it like the, to me anyway, like things look different. I, I think maybe, maybe flats, but that's like between D flat and C sharp, that's weird like for, for yeah, minor to major, you're only, you're changing three notes, right? So it's not like the most extreme. What about reading? Would you I prefer read to read flats, I think. I, although it shouldn't matter but for whatever reason. Although like if, like with bass, if you're playing like a lot of like rock tunes, obviously it's going to be an E because you're going to have your, your open E string and everything. So like that's a ton of sharps. Not a ton of sharps, but enough sharps. Like, eh. You, had, you said you play sax. Which which sax do you play? Uh, tenor, yeah. And, and it really, it's just specific to whatever whatever note you know whatever key center it is like b yeah. flat it's it's got to be b flat not a sharp yeah. it's got to be it's got to yeah, be of e yeah, flat yeah. not d sharp you know um but yeah i, I read less and less these days so um, you know yeah, not, same. Not, not <laughs> really think about it as much you know yeah me too honestly <laughs> this is one of the things it's like my little pet project that fascinates me because a teacher said something to me once i think maybe even like in high school and it they just said like guitarists like all guitarists love the key of e and like yeah the tuning lends itself yeah. to yeah. e and then because of the whole transposing thing i've heard horn players love flat keys mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. I, I mainly bring that because it, it reminded me that i myself am a flat key person and so when i was like looking at the sheet music for this and got to the modulation i was like oh i'm in sharps like all of a sudden this is a little bit like the tiniest <laughs> yeah. bit harder for my brain and then I thought about it, I was like, it shouldn't be. <laughs> like, it's just the parallel minor. But just to bring mm -hmm. things back. So that pedal note, we're going to get technical for a second. So hang on. It's a dominant pedal, uh, which has a really strong, like, gravitational pull back to your, like, home note, quote unquote, mm. your tonic. So by repeating that all the way through, there's this constant momentum. As light as it is, the music, I mean, it feels more like a steady downpour in a lot of ways than like a gentle trickle mm. that ebbs and flows to me. Mm -hmm. I think that the the other reason why, because the fifth has like the least impact on the quality of the chord, mm -hmm. right? Like, like mm -hmm. you're going to share the fifth and like... If you're playing a major seven chord or whatever, I, I hate how deep into into this theory is gotten, I'm getting. This is a technical we're cutting, we cut so here. much out, but I'm I'm not <laughs> helping. Like it's my own fault, but whatever. Uh, I, I think that like if if you're playing a major seven chord, whatever C major seven, taking the G out doesn't affect the quality of the chord nearly mm -hmm. as much as exactly. if you took the B or the E out, and that that's kind of I think a. a Something to keep in mind when you are looking for, like, pedal point stuff is amazing. And I, I love that. Looking for common tones mm. between keys and mm -hmm. chords is such an awesome compositional tool. The fifth is a pretty good place to start, and you can get a lot of mileage out of it. Like, from an arranging standpoint, that's what you just said is important, too. And it's something that, like, if you're put in a situation where you can't, like, you don't have enough voices or instruments or whatever to play all the notes in the chord, leave the fifth out. 
it doesn't contribute that much, honestly. Um, here, it's more like it ties things together than it really says like, oh, the court has changed or whatever. But more interestingly, I think, the way that Chopin uses fifths in kind of this way through a lot of his music actually comes from the idea of drone polyphony, <laughs> which is, uh, isn't like, <laughs> yeah. I know, right? <laughs> Just a bunch of drones all at once. Um, but the idea of this kind of like drone polyphony, which sounds so fancy when we're just saying like, oh, repeating a note over and over and building around it. Uh, it it's pretty common in folk music from countries around that, like mm. in the Baltic area. So he was drawing on his roots without me ever realizing that was the case till now, which is pretty cool. Um, mm. And it also makes it so that this song is able to move from the major to the minor like that and still feel like there's a through line that holds it all together. Mm-hmm. Is it the like melodic equivalent of the like the simple kick snare loop, you know, that just holds uh, it oh, yeah. all together, you know? And it, it made me think um about rain. Um like, you know, watching the rain, you know, but like the sound of rain, you mentioned it before, Carter, but like the constancy of this thing just drumming away that stabilizes something in a song in in your life in a, in an afternoon whatever it is it's like this, this that we're kind of longing for stability when everything else is mm. like falling apart around <laughs> um yeah, yeah. it's just drawing a connection there totally it's like something you can count on perfect yeah. connection too i think like got a picture frederic chopin composing this like surrounded by rain you know where wherever he was but i mean which sure. is the rumor yeah i would be weird if he, if it wasn't almost like it, it would be weird <laughs> but if it's it also wasn't. weird if you wrote all the nocturnes at night yeah like if you like if, <laughs> I, but maybe you know what i mean like um i could be wrong but i don't think he's the one who gave it that nickname in fact i don't think he's responsible for like any of the nicknames his pieces have like the revolutionary i don't think that was i think that's somebody else be a little bit him. uh hubris to call your piece like the revolutionary etude like but like he had like political ties that that for sure but it it would be it could be taken because of how virtuosic the piece is it's like yo check this out nobody's ever done Uh, this before this is revolutionary The moment when we were just listening to it stood out to me and the kind of like chromatic, like melodic ideas, mm-hmm. which is like kind of like a jazz lick to mm-hmm. here. Like this is uh, this moment right here. Let's see if I got it. This is a beautiful piece of music. I think to me in many ways it embodies everything I know about Chopin. (laughs) 
Ewan, I mean, thank you so much for joining us. Some some really uh, incredible insight, but you're also a remarkable producer and musician and, and also part of a very, very, very cool nonprofit. Do you mind sharing just a little bit with our audience and our listeners of what you're up to musically? And of course, uh, I want to hear about the Sound Initiative as well. So please, uh, the floor is yours, my man. Sure. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, well, I'm uh, with the Sound Initiative. I'm the music director here, and we're always doing a bunch of things. But um, we're 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 about to launch a a program just for female producers um, in Cambodia. So, um, sort of in- encouraging um, that voice to be more prominent in what's like a very male-dominated industry. Mm-hmm. We're also um, teaming up with a a telco a major telco here to do like a reality show about that f- that that focuses on musical training as an important part of of um career development so that's that's interesting um they're they're coming up mm-hmm. in the next few months um it's awesome and on a personal level i mean i'm 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 my my thing is trying to sing in khmer the the language here and I've I've got a bunch wow. of covers online, which is this is a whole different um, uh, persona. <laughs> and so I just released a um, uh, a few months ago a, a a an original song like with a collaboration with a Khmer lyricist, which was amazing mm-hmm. to do and and just hu- hugely challenging. And I'd love to do more of that. So I've I've got a few ideas and that's there in there. And that's going to do it for this episode of Themes and Variation. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we want to know your favorite rainy day track. So there's a link to a Spotify community playlist in our show notes. Feel free to add your selections there. Be sure to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you really want to support the show, consider subscribing to soundfly.com. We have some incredible courses with some amazing artists coming out very soon. So you're not going to want to miss any of that. And as a special treat, we're going to play this one out with a snippet from Ewan Gray's original track in Kumari, Komriang Neknia. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode and a new theme. ซ้ำนิ่งดมโลกเพลิงเปรียตรายคมดอพันใดอ้ายนั่นตรีตรอดเช็ดปัญญาเช็ด <laughs> ซากันลองจำจองมันอ้ายคลิ้นเด็ดดาวชนิดเพียบก็กระดาษมีนอ้ายคลีมีนตกเอียงรุ่มตกเปียมีนซอกเอียงรุ่มซอกเจียกรู
Sobun, Jack Day to Green Rahon. 